gone over my head like a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me to bear. All of us can repeat these words of David when it comes to the sin problem. At times in our life, we feel that sting of sin and feel the weight of sin that might, excuse me, that man can't bear alone. You know, the good news is we don't have to. The nature of our God is that he is ready to forgive. Tonight, we're going to talk about the nature of God in one aspect of it. And as you were walking in, you should have received a little worksheet that will hopefully allow you to have something to do as we do our, our, we conduct the class tonight. God is ready to forgive. He's willing to forgive. And he has made a way of forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Again, I welcome you to this study. And in this lesson, we're going to be thinking about a part of God's nature that is, I believe, so wonderful and amazing and encouraging in that God is forgiving. God is forgiving. As we think about the nature of God, who is God and what God is like and what his character is like, we also think about his nature. We're thinking about that wonderful aspect of God, of being a forgiving God. That's such a practical idea for everyone who's of the age of accountability, who knows right from wrong. Sin is something that all of us have to deal with. From the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, right up to the present time today. The Bible teaches that man has had to deal with the weight and sting of sin. So if you look at Romans 3.23, the Bible says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when the Bible says all, or tells us that all have sinned, we can actually make it even more practical. If all have sinned, I have sinned, and you have sinned, right? You, excuse me, we all have to deal with sin from time to time. We also have to deal with the consequences of sin. And we know that those consequences are devastating. The soul who sins, you know, the one who sins and, and lives in sins and does not change, the Bible tells us the soul who sins shall surely die. Ezekiel 18.4. Isaiah 59.1 and 2 tells us that God doesn't want it that way. His very nature cannot be closely associated or in a relationship with sin. The Bible says the Lord's ear in Isaiah 59.1, the Lord's ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. God doesn't have a hearing problem. And his arm is not shortened uh, that he cannot save. God doesn't have a defective arm that he can't reach out to save you or me. But your sins and your iniquities have separated you from God. Sin is a very serious problem. I know I keep saying that, but it is. That's because it is. It separates us from God. 
It's a problem that all of an accountable age have to deal with. Sin is a serious problem, but you know the good news is, thankfully, because of whom God is or who God is, because of his nature, God has made a way of salvation from sin in Jesus Christ. And you say, Jaylee, we know that. That's why we're here. But we need to be reminded of that often. In 1 Peter 2.24, if you want to turn there. 1 Peter 2.24. The scripture there reads, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. The Bible says there, he himself, that is, Jesus himself, bore our sins on the tree. How wonderful is it to know that the God in heaven has made a way to escape and to overcome sin through Jesus Christ. I ask you, isn't it wonderful to know that you can have a second chance and third chance and fourth chance and on and on as God allows us to continue to live? I know that this is true, a true statement. Everybody loves a second chance. Have you ever made a bad grade when you were in school on a test and you thought, I wish I could just, I just take that test again one more time and I get it right. Or have you ever done something or said something and you thought, I wish I could do that over? Husbands feel that way all the time. That's what we get in Christianity. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature and old things have passed away. All has become new. Second Corinthians 5.29 Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He tasted death for every man. Looking at 1 John 2, 2, we know that he is the propitiation or he's the appeasing, he's appeasing to God for our sins, but not for ours alone, but for the sins of the whole world. Let's think about God being a forgiving God. Remember, we're talking about forgiveness and how God's forgiveness is so wonderful. We need to understand that God wants us to understand from his holy word that he truly is forgiving. I know it is hard sometimes for us to think that way because we may say, if I was God and I was looking at Jaylee or you insert your name, I might not forgive me. That's what we may say using our human logic. But thankfully, I'm not God and you're not either. And don't get me wrong. I understand that God will deal with sin. That God gets angry at sin and at sinners. Look at Psalm 74. Psalm 74, excuse me, Psalm 7 and verse 11. Psalm 7 and verse 11. The scripture there says, God is a just, God, uh, God is a just judge. And God is angry with the wicked every day. So I posted on our our website, or excuse me, our Facebook page today with this scripture. Don't be part of the wicked. Don't be part of the wicked. 
because God is angry with the wicked every day. God doesn't want anything to do with sin. But I tell you, family, the real heart of God is that God wants to save and forgive people of their sins. I need you to realize this with me if you haven't already. Our God, he is ready and he stands ready to forgive me and he stands ready to forgive you. Notice what the Bible says in Psalm 86 and verse 5. Psalm 86 and verse 5. Scripture says this, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all who call upon you. In one chapter back in Psalm 85 verse 2, David would say, You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sins. How wonderful is it to know that although God will deal with sin, even though he'll deal with sin, God really stands ready and wanting to forgive man of their sins. He's ready to forgive us of our sins. Psalm 103, verses 1, excuse me, verses 10 through 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed their transgressions from them. Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4 The Bible teaches us that if you, O Lord, were to mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. There's a lot in the Bible that talks about forgiveness, that the God's forgiveness for us, of us. As you think about the God we serve, we need to realize that he is forgiving. And I'm truly thankful. And I ask, are you thankful that God is forgiving? And the answer is probably going to be a resounding yes. But we often take his forgiveness for granted. We need to be thankful every day and every moment of the day that God is forgiving. We ought to be, or we ought to all be thankful that God wants to forgive us. He's ready to forgive. And that he gives second chances as we strive to repent and do what God wants us to. Now, when you think about the um, God as he's talked about in the Bible, not only is God ready to forgive, God wants to forgive all of our sins in Christ Jesus. All the way back to the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31, 34, and mentioned also in Hebrews 8, 12, God, in his word, has says, I'll be merciful to their sins and their lawless deeds. I'll remember no more. What does God really want to do with sin? I mean, he forgives us, but then what happens to that sin? I mean, he, he's forgiven us of it. And we human, we, we say we forgive, but we don't forget. We, sometimes we want to hold on to things. God wants it to be taken care of, that sin that is, and God wants to forgive it. He says, I'll be merciful to their sins there in, uh, we read in Hebrews 8, 12. Their lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. God wants to put sin in the past. He wants us to do that too. And of course, through the death and sacrifice of his son. Psalm 51, 2 and Isaiah 1, 18 both relate in and again, clearly teaches us that God wants to remove 
sin. It says, though your sins are as scarlet, God said, I'll make them white as snow. If we need a visual of that here in Alaska, all we got to do is wait a few more weeks. You know, or we can just look to the mountains right now and see how white the snow is. And that's how clean God makes us through Jesus. God has covered and taken care of all of our sins. When you hear the words of the New Testament based on the sacrifice of Jesus, based on the fact that Jesus is Lord in Christ, Peter stands up with joy and, and proclaims, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sin. Acts 2.38. If you don't know the setting of when Peter is saying this, and we all should, as a reminder, Peter has just reminded everyone that's there. This is the Jesus that the scrolls have been talking about. The prophets have been prophesying about. The Messiah you've been waiting on. We just killed him. We just put him on the cross. He just died for us. And God has made a way, even though they have taken his son and put him on the cross and killed him. He's made a way for forgiveness even for that. Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant in Matthew 26, 28. Shed for many for remission of sins. Not only is God ready to forgive, God wants sins to be dealt with and God wants to forget it. He wants to put it in the past. We want to think about God in the way that the Bible describes him as it relates to sin. Now, as I think about God's forgiveness, God's long-suffering really beautifully illustrates how he is ready to forgive and wants to deal with sin according to the death of his son. Now, think about God's patience, his, his long-suffering, his, his long-suffering nature Mentioned in Numbers 14, verse 18. That God is long-suffering, as well as 2 Peter 3, 9. Which says, the Lord is, in, in, in this context about the second coming of Christ, God wanting people to be saved, and really God giving people time to get right with him. Before I go on, I was thinking about this today as I was studying it. God giving people time to get right with him. God gave those people during Noah's time time to get right with him. And I know the nature of God from what I understand in his word. If someone else would have came up to Noah and said, you know what? I believe you. Let me help you hammer some nails in. Let me help you put this art together. I want to be in there with you because I believe what you're saying that God has said. But we know that didn't happen. But God gave those people time just as he's given us time. And in this context, again, this is talking about the second coming of Christ. The Lord is not slow, or some of your versions might say slack, concerning his promises, as some count slowness. These people are asking God, and we're asking him sometimes too, why haven't you come yet? Why are you being so slow? We get impatient as humans. We don't want to deal with with life because life is hard. And we're just ready for God to fulfill his promise now. And Tony has reminded us several times, and 
these past lessons that, you know, through God's word, God doesn't want anyone to not be in heaven. And he's giving people time and time until he's done having patience with us. God has given us time. We're asking God, what's the delay? The point is, it's not that God's slow and that he can't come. The Lord is not slow concerning his promises, as some count slowness, but he's long-suffering. He's patient towards us. Patient towards us, excuse me. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We need to realize that part of God's forgiveness of sin is his long-suffering nature. That God has been patient. We can just look at Israel's history. Um, the children of Israel, that is. God was so extremely patient with rebellious and hard-hearted Israel at times. Chance after chance, time after time, and opportunity after opportunity. We, we beat up on the Israelites a lot because we can just go back and read about them. We go, how dare you try to challenge God and, and Moses? And, and I'm thinking about a story that we, well, the, the incident we read about Korah and the rest of those folks. Okay, I say Korah and the rest of them that decided that they didn't like Moses being the leader and they mean we wanted somebody else. But Moses said, well, those are me and God standing on this side, everyone else standing on that side. If you don't know this, the earth opened up and swallowed them up, holes back together. Just for me, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that that would have sold me right there. But they were human just like me. I mess up every day, right? And so we know as we continue to keep reading about the Israelites, they sin and sin and sin over and over and over. They, they move away from God. We, we beat up on them a lot, but I ask you, what about our lives? We need to be careful or we might say, well, we would never be like them. How many times have you made mistakes, done things that you shouldn't have done, got caught up in sins that you know, you knew and I knew better than to do, that we knew better than to get caught up in? And I, I will ask you, in all those times, aren't you grateful that God didn't come at that very moment? Yes, no, I'm, I know I'm glad he didn't come back at that moment. It's given me yet another chance, another opportunity. God's been long-suffering. He's been patient and kind-hearted toward each one of us. And that is so beautifully illustrates his forgiveness and love for a man, the one that he created in his own image. What else really illustrates in a beautiful fashion? The fact that God is a forgiving God. You couldn't illustrate it any more clearly and beautifully than the death of God's son. Why did God send his son into the world to die such a horrible and cruel death? God wants us to be forgiven. That's why. Someone might say, well, how forgiving of a God is your God? So much so that God sent his own son to die a horrible, gruesome, cruel death because that's how bad he wants a man to obey the gospel. That's how bad he wants us to live with him forever. And that's how bad he wants to ultimately 
uh, forgive us of our sins. Listen to what Romans chapter 5, or you can read it, read along with me, in verse 6 through 8, where it says, While we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man one might die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone might dare to die. You see what verse 8 says there? God demonstrates. Those words right there, God demonstrates. Here is the vividness of the picture. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, before we even knew God, before we even knew that God had a plan of salvation for us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You want to know how forgiven our God is? He wants to forgive us so much, so much so that he sent his son to die for my sins and to die for your sins. God so loved the world, the scripture says, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, we see that on billboards, sometimes not here in Alaska, but we see that on a, a poster boards, I should say, like at, at football games or some other games in John 3.16. I wonder when that person is holding it up, do they really know what that is getting after and how much God loves us and what he did for us? What a wonderful picture of the forgiveness of God. As you think about it more on a practical scale, as we think about it more in relation maybe to people in the Bible, I think the picture can even be more vivid. Think, think about some people in the Bible. I'm sure quite a few people may come to mind right now. Let's make it practical, though, and make it more relevant to us. As you think about God's forgiveness and how powerful that it is, I want you to think about some people in the Old and New Testament who got caught up maybe even in some pretty serious and what we might think of as heinous sins. And yet God was more than willing to forgive them. So in your mind right now, I'm sure there are some people that are just popping up in your head in the Old Testament. I was thinking of my, my Old Testament example was David. David is a prime example of God's forgiveness. You see, our God is a forgiving God in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, David gets caught up in sin with, with who? Bathsheba. Thank you, Jaden. Bathsheba. She's a married woman. Her husband has gone out to war. David's on the rooftop. He sees her bathing. And then he desires her. He desires her. Not sure who she is yet. Then he asks, who is this woman? And then when he finds out who she is, he still takes her and has relations with her. And a child is conceived from that. He ultimately would lie and deceive. Her husband will eventually die because of David's orders. You... Can you, I mean, I'm not asking you to, but can you count the many sins, like in order, it seems, to go there? Beginning with that lust of the eye, there's a whole lot of sins that ends up with a man dying because of David's sin. 
David was big. David was big enough, uh, or man and man enough to own up to his sin. Well, after Nathan <laughs> brought it to his attention, but he did. And, and sometimes it takes that from us. Uh, we're, we're supposed to help hold each other accountable. I see you doing something that's sinful. As your brother in Christ, I'm gonna come to you in love and let you know that you're you're in sin. And that's what Nathan did. David said, I've sinned. And David would say in Psalm 51, uh, talking about, he would say that, and Psalm 51 clearly teaches that David could be forgiven. Um, you have to read the entirety of Psalm 51 to see what I'm saying, but talk about a man who got caught up in sin and who was forgiven by God. Here's a perfect example of that. So verses 1 and 2 in Psalm 51, concerning that event with Bathsheba, David would say, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Throughout that whole psalm, David will pour out his heart to God in repentance. And God does forgive David. God can forgive me and he can forgive you as well. We know David was called a friend of God. When Adam and Eve are an example too, I know they can quickly come to your mind because, well, we look at Adam and Eve and go, Adam and Eve, it's because of you. Well, in Genesis 3, they ate of the forbidden, forbidden fruit that God told them not to, and yet a way of salvation was provided to them as well. Again, before we get off and start blaming other people like Adam and Eve and David and just keep listing names, we need to look at ourselves. Think about Peter. Peter was a great follower of the Lord, but Peter denied, well, he actually denied the Lord three times. Jesus told him it was going to happen, but he said it wasn't going to happen. Weren't you with him? Oh no, not, not me. Your speech betrays you. Surely you. Oh, no, no. Not me. He, the Bible says in Matthew 26, that Peter, if you can imagine this, even began to curse and swear. I don't know the man. And yet in John 21, Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to make it right. Peter went on to do great things for the cause of God in Christ. Think about Saul of Tarsus, wrecking havoc on the church, holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen and dragging men and women to prison. And yet Saul, who would later become Paul, one of the greatest evangelistic workers in the New Testament, he could be forgiven as well. Sometimes there are people who say to themselves, I believe all that's true. But not me. I see in the Bible that God forgives all these people. He even probably forgave you, but not me. I used to hear when I was a kid, uh, adults would say, when I would hear other adults inviting them to worship, yeah, the building might fall down on me if I walk in. Because I've, I, I've, I, I sin so much that 
I don't think God can forgive me. I've done so many things. I've been involved in so many sins. God could never, not God, God could never forgive me. Me, because it's me. Because I'm special. I'm different from every other person on this earth. Let me tell you when you're saying that, and if we ever say that, as Christians, we can get into a funk sometimes too, where we feel like God, this time God, I don't think he would forgive me. Then we are denying the power and the ability of God to forgive. You've already seen in the Bible that God wants to do that. God wants to forgive. That he's more than willing to do that if we only accept and obey the gospel and live faithfully. God wants to forgive. Sound like a broken record, huh? We need to be reminded of that. God wants to forgive. He wants us to repent and ask for forgiveness. He stands ready to forgive. Regardless of what we've done and what you've done, regardless of how heinous you think it may be, regardless of the guilt that you might be bearing over that, if you will accept the gospel and if you will put your faith in Jesus, we need to be reminded of this, Christians, put our faith in Jesus. Let God do the rest. God's promise to forgive us. Let's not um, limit God. Sometimes we take God and we put him on the shelf. And you say, you stay right there while I do what I'm doing. And then when I need you, I will pull you off that shelf. But you only can do what I think you are able to do. We go back to Genesis chapter 1. Who created the heavens and the earth? God did. There is no shelf that we can put God on and there's no way we can limit God. So I ask you, don't, to not uh, limit God's power of forgiveness by your own guilt and your own burden of sin. The examples that I've mentioned are to help us to see God is more than able to forgive any person's sin, regardless of what it may be. If they'll come to Jesus and obey the gospel. As we talk about the forgiveness of God and wonderful and what a wonderful aspect of God's character that it is, let's also realize forgiveness, though, comes at an extremely high cost. All that I've talked about, I don't want to make light of sin. I don't want to take advantage of sin either. It is something very serious. I know we all sin from time to time. But I want us to realize just how serious the cost of forgiveness is as well. With forgiveness, well, did you know is what caused Jesus, our Lord, to leave heaven? Forgiveness is the reason why ultimately Jesus left heaven. Listen to 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It is one of the most beautiful verses in all the New Testament. Not the only one, though. The Bible says this, you know the grace, and, and the grace that's talked about here, grace carries the idea, idea of a gift here. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what do you mean, grace? Or what do you mean by, you know, you ask me maybe by a gift or by an offering? Though he was rich, 
Yet for your sakes he became poor that we, through his poverty, might be rich, might be made rich. Do you ever or have you ever really stopped and thought about that verse in the way that we just did now? Jesus is in the very place, and he was in the very place as well. We're fighting every day to get to. He was with God. He was in the heavenly realm. He was near to the heart of God, and yet he left that for you and me. He came to this low land of sin and sorrow. He gave his life an offering. and He became a poor man, as it were, so that one day I could share, and you could share, in the riches that he's offered to all of mankind. So, what is the cost of forgiveness? Well, number one, Jesus left heaven so that forgiveness could be made available to all of us. Forgiveness also demanded, as part of the cost, that Jesus live a perfect life. I mean, you all out there and online live a perfect life. It's the only one that could do, and it was Jesus. Can you imagine trying to live a life free of sin? Not only that, but then Satan is throwing everything he had at you. As he, as we see in Matthew chapter 4. And yet the Bible records he was tempted at all points as we are. Jesus has faced it. He has, uh, he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. It was many years after becoming a Christian that I truly understood this point. That Jesus is tempt, was tempted just as I am. And yet he didn't sin. I find that amazing. That he came to this earth to do that for me and for, for you. When you think about the horrible cost of sin... We need to realize this. Jesus suffered a horrible, cruel death because that's what forgiveness demanded. Atonement, sacrifice, uh, propitiation. Jesus suffered that death as part of the cause of forgiveness. Matthew 26, verse 28. Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant that was shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. It's his blood that made that sacrifice available. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Ephesians 1 7 tells us it's the blood of Christ that cleanses sin. It's his death that made it available. When you think about Jesus being beaten, mocked, spit upon, slapped by the leaders of that day, nailed to a cruel cross, hanging in agony, and when Jesus said it is finished in Matthew 27, it's that death on that cross that is such a high cost of sin today. Thank God that he paid it and how wonderful that is. Let's realize that it didn't come easy. That it was very, it was a very difficult thing for Jesus to do. But as you think about the forgiveness of God, we need to kind of bring things to a full circle here tonight. As we talk about God's forgiveness, by realizing that God has a plan and God has a way. And if God is the one who offers that forgiveness, whatever God's plan and way is, 
It's to be forgiven. That's what man's got to do and has to do to get right with God. Many of us sitting here tonight are members of the body. Some of us aren't. There may be some online right now who are members of the body and some are not. Now, as we think about what must a person do to be forgiven of sin, if someone's a child of God, then we know naturally they, that we've got to acknowledge that sin, realize that we've got sin in our life, and be willing to repent of it. We can't be scared of repentance. God wants us to repent and ask him for forgiveness. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all iniquity. 1 John 1, 7-9. We find people in the Bible who are great examples of that. David said, I've sinned. 2 Samuel 12, 23. Saul said, I've sinned. I've erred exceedingly. And I've played the fool. First uh, Samuel fifteen twenty four, that's King Saul. There, throughout the Bible, there is the recognition: I got, I've got sin in my life, and I need to own up to that. I need to deal with it in a God-approved way. If you've never obeyed the gospel, the good news is God's forgiveness is also available to you. I ask, do you believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Well, what must a person do to be saved from sin, to access the forgiveness of God? We've we've read about it already, but I wanted to remind us that there's no other way to be forgiven except Jesus or through Jesus. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the way. I often say that God is the answer. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We find that in John fourteen six. Do you believe Christ? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Here's what Jesus had to say in John eight twenty four: Unless you believe that I am He, that I am the Savior of the world, you'll die in your sins. You must believe in Christ. But as we believe in Christ then we also, as we see the Bible teaches, must be willing to repent, which repentance means I've got to do my best to turn from a life of sin and turn to God. If you're hanging on to the fact that there are some problems and troubles in your life, some sins that you you have involved yourself with and it's hard to turn from, don't wait till you can't don't wait till you are able to just stop all those things. Jesus might come back and you still won't be saved. Come to God now. Repentance is not the, is not the idea is um, that I can never sin again or that I'm going to be perfect 100% of the time. I tell you, those of us that are Christians, we're not, we're not perfect 100% of the time. I'm, I'm never perfect. I get it wrong often I, I thank God for his forgiveness we all from time to time sin but I'm going to change but we, we need to change the way we are thinking and we need to do our best to change our way of acting about sin that's what we're saying in Luke 13 3 Jesus said unless you repent you'll all likewise perish Peter preached repent 
and turn or repent and be converted that your sins might be blotted out. Acts 3.19. Once we believe in Jesus and we're willing to turn away from sin and turn to God, and then you've got to acknowledge with the mouth that Jesus is the Savior. Romans 10.10 says, with the heart... One believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Having made a good confession. The Bible teaches that to be forgiven, to have your sins washed away, and to be saved, to access God's forgiveness that we've been talking about tonight initially. One must be baptized. It's where we contact the blood of Jesus that saves. Romans 6, 3 and 4 says we're buried with him in baptism into his death. That's where we contact the death of Jesus. That's why Jesus would say, he that believes and is baptized will be saved, Mark 16, 16. This is why Peter preached in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And this is why Saul of Tarsus was told, why are you waiting Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. God's plan is contacting the blood and death of Jesus by reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection. We die to sin, repentance, we're buried with him in baptism, and we rise up out of that to walk in newness of life. So to really stay in line with God's forgiveness, we ought to... We want to do our best every day to walk in the newness of life. Romans 6, 4 and, um, tells us, And strive to fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy six twelve, And to be faithful unto death. Just to think about a wonder and the beauty of this. There is forgiveness. How beautiful and how wonderful it is that God, the God we serve, the God who created this universe, is ready He's willing, and he wants to forgive man, wants to remember our sins no more, and has made a way we can do that through Jesus Christ. I say if you've never forgiven, uh, excuse me, never obeyed the gospel, you're not a child of God. And we're begging you today, won't you become a Christian in view of the wonder and splendor of God's forgiveness? See, I bring this up. And, and extend the invitation during this class because we're talking about forgiveness. And God is ready to forgive. I assure you, God wants to, you to come home. He wants all of us to come home. Christians, we want you to come home. As we think about God's forgiveness, let's each be encouraged today to live a life faithful to the Lord so that one day we could hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. May God help us to do just that. Thank you all for your time and being in class tonight.